BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. We'll have no fun, no fun, because your purpose podcast comes out today. We'll have no fun, 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 because your purpose podcast comes out today. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 383. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome, new listeners. I'll just tell you real quick what this is. I'm Jen Kirkman. I am a comedian. You may know me from a million different things over the years. Chelsea Lately, Drunk History, my two comedy specials on Netflix, I'm Gonna Die Alone and I Feel Fine, and Just Keep Living. They are still streaming there right now. I'm also an author. I've written two books. One of them is about not wanting kids. The other one is about turning 40, getting divorced, traveling, and all kinds of fun and saucy things. But this podcast is neither a perfected joke per minute stand-up special, nor is it a highly edited, poured over book. It's just me talking off the top of my head for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, where I just tell you what is going on in my life, in my head, and sometimes in the world. It is, again, unscripted, totally from my heart, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always honest and real. A lot of other comedians I know say this is the best way to get canceled because you say stuff, you don't even know you're saying it, then it lives out there forever. Like the time that I called Louis C.K. a known perv on this podcast in 2014 and told all of these stories about his harassment. (laughs) It went out and people wrote articles about it and that kicked off that whole thing. So you never know what you're going to get on the Jen Kirkman podcast because it's not even called that. It's called No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast. One of the other reasons I actually, to be honest, started this podcast was not not to out creeps um, by talking off the top of my head, but was to tell people who I am. When you're on TV shows, especially like A Drunk History or Chelsea Lately, you come off as this fun party girl. And I'm fun, but I got my own idea of fun. You know, when I was a teenager, I rode my bike to the cemetery and listened listened to The Cure and read Oscar Wilde in a graveyard. But I was also a big, loud, loud mouth. And I did, I was in a band and I did musical theater. You know, I'm just a weird, eclectic person. And I don't really like to go to clubs and yell woo. Does that make sense? People were starting to come to my shows going, woo, I'm so drunk. And I was like, that's not that cool. Don't go out to a comedy show and be drunk. Go to a friend's house and get drunk. 
That's what fun is. Not yelling woo at people when they're trying to do their damn job. So I thought I got to start a podcast letting people know who they're dealing with here. And if you like the pod, you're probably going to enjoy my stand-up. If you don't, you might be disappointed when you come see me do stand-up. It used to be called I Seem Fun, The Diary of Jen Kirkman. And you can access it all the way back to the beginning. I started it in 2013 by going to jenkirkman.com, click podcast. And for free, it'll you'll find a link there and it's on SoundCloud and you can go all the way back in time, get in your time machine. And man, that is 380 two episodes for you to binge. You know, if you're not feeling hot girl summer, white boy summer, whatever summer is supposed to be coming up, all the news that so many people are getting vaccinated, everyone's going to get the chance within the next few weeks. And you're thinking, I didn't actually know this was going to happen this fast. I don't, I don't have, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Stay home with me. Stay home and listen to my podcast until you are ready to reenter the world. So there you go. And now it is called No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, because I just always wanted to call it that. And I, I wanted to have something of mine that didn't have the word I in the title. So here you go. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please give it a five-star review on whatever podcast app you listen to. I know you hear that every time you listen to people's podcasts. Here's why we say it. It actually moves it up to the front of the algorithm And if you write a review, you're actually convincing people. If someone's there about to listen, your review will tip them over or not. A lot of times people go, I love your podcast. I want to tell all my friends about it. I go, your friends aren't going to listen to you. Do you listen to anyone when they recommend shit? Everyone's always got an opinion. Do this, do that. But if you're on your own, just going, what is this podcast? And someone writes a nice review, you might be like, no. So get real specific about what you like about it. If someone, you know, I love uh, doing my dishes while I listen to this podcast. Someone else goes, you know what? I need a new dish podcast to listen to. One that's just one person talking. This is a conversation between two friends where you say nothing. So that really does help. And the more listeners I have, the more money I get paid for ads. I, I, I am, uh, I'm not rolling in the deep. Is that an expression meaning rich? With ads, you will hear ads on this show please don't assume it means that's some six-figure deal all year. It's, it's, uh, we're working on just building the audience, building it bigger. It used to be bigger, and then people trail off because they're like, she's not as fun as I thought. So we got rid of the dumb people. Now we got to bring back in the smart people. We got to find more smarts. So that's how you can help those five-star reviews. If you want the uh, video version that has bonus material, I've already been talking. Before I hit record and you heard me say Jen Kirkman podcast, I already told a story to the people who subscribe to the video version. And the people who subscribe to the video version get to see me at home in my home office, my little podcast studio, and they get the uh, podcast released at least a couple days earlier. So you would have had this by, I think, Friday, April 9th by now. And again, it's only $5 a month. You get four videos a month. It's at least 90 minutes a week and uh, extra bonuses as well. And again, there are no ads. So there you go. All right, what am I going to be talking about this week? I don't fucking know. Listen, I haven't been living. I'm double vaxxed, but I'm just taking it slow, getting back out into the world. I'm just trying to get my life in order. I'm trying to, uh, you know, I don't even know. I'm just dealing with some, nothing terrible, just some mental health stuff. Like, you know, it's it's actually felt just a little depression and uh, 
well, depression, little anxiety as the world opens back up. I, I did kind of miss the cocoon and, and the friendships and the people calling all the time. And now it seems like everyone's just sort of taking getting back to things in their own way. And I don't really know who my people are during this transition. And, and it'll be fine. I'm actually, as a as I'm recording this uh, tomorrow, by the time you hear this, if you're listening to just the audio version, it will have already happened. But I am uh, going over a friend's house for the first time indoors without a mask. My friend is also vaccinated. And I can't wait. And what I'm so excited about is that I'm not neurotic about it, if that makes sense. I mean, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Of course, I believe vaccines work. But you know how your head gets. Like, sometimes you can be neurotic and go, what if it doesn't work? What if it... And I don't feel that way at all. I feel fully confident and protected. So that will be really nice. Okay, I'm going to talk about a dumb... Now, I hate it, but my life is back to dumb shit. This dumb rules in my Pilates class about what will and won't spread COVID, and it makes me want to poke everyone's face off. Um, Washington Post says we've run out of things to talk about with each other. And, you know, I've definitely run out of things to talk about in this podcast, which is why I'm going to be reading some <laughs> listener emails on this episode with questions that'll help prompt me to tell some interesting stories. But I don't think we've run out of things to say to each other. Au contraire. I mean, I disagree. I'm going to read this article to you, and you tell me if you agree with this nonsense that they're trying to push. I'm going to visit my family. And you know what? I think I will just let that speak for itself. I will tell you that Patreon subscribers will be getting a bonus episode, a one-hour episode video of me reuniting and hanging out with my family and all the different things we're doing during the week. There will be some cameos from horses and cats in these videos. Because on the Patreon, uh, it is $5 a month, but there are more expensive levels. $10 a month, you get the four videos. You get two 20-minute bonus episodes a month, audio only, about something going on in pop culture. And you also get one one one-hour bonus episode. So you get a lot of stuff for very little money. So join it up, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. There will be a link in the show notes. This is my job. And this is how I fire you guys up. Uh, you know, the, the Chris D'Elia's, the Brian Callens, the sexual harassers in comedy, the Jeff Rosses, you dated a teenage girl. All these guys have not been canceled. They may have been fired from their network jobs, but they were very wealthy and from where, from wealthy families anyway. I don't know about Jeff, I'm talking about. And they all have like 7,000 followers on their Patreon and they make about 30 grand a month. I have about 600 subscribers to my Patreon. And for some reason, it is always the guys in comedy. And you see it happening in culture. Look at Matt Gates. I'm being canceled. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone's against me. And their fans go nuts and they get riled up and they join. Uh, my fans are like, she's my fans for some reason, they, they do my accounting for me and they're never right about how wealthy they think I am. And even if I were wealthy, who cares? Why can't you keep paying me for my podcast? But I'm just asking, I'm a girl who's not doing a new Netflix special who's saying, why don't you support the Patreon? This is literally my job. If I could uh, star in a film, I would. But right now that's not happening. So that's how we make... That's how we support the women that we love in this business or the good people that we love in this business is not with our words and our tweets, but with our wallets. Because Lord knows, for some reason, those guys have those rabid fans that just keep supporting them. And 
Okay. All right. I don't, this, oof, that's a lot for the first 10 minutes, isn't it? Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about this Washington Post article. Let me just ease into it with something that's what someone else said. This is in the wellness section of the Washington Post. Don't even get me started on that dumb word. Okay, after a year of COVID life, we've run out of things to talk about. Try these conversation tips. Up to three times a week, I Zoom with acquaintances to practice speaking French. Shortly into the chats, a variation of what have you done lately comes up. The answer is always not much. Well, there's a fucking pandemic, so why don't you just... All right, I get she's going to give conversation tips, but I'm already telling you. I I think there's plenty to talk about. I mean, what about your feelings and innermost thoughts? And, you know, if you're in a relationship, how's the how's this impacting your relationship? Is it making it more difficult? Are you realizing, oh, God, maybe I don't want to be with my partner. If you're single, you know, what's going on? Are you looking for people? Did some weird ex call you from from out of the blue? I mean, maybe you guys have already talked about all, all that already, but I feel like those topics are always a well of something. I mean, have you read anything? Are you reading anything? I'm, I'm reading two books a week. I can highly recommend two books right now, Spinster and The Tragedy of Heterosexuality. Now, don't get defensive about The Tragedy of Heterosexuality. It is a book for heterosexuals, and it's about a million different things. And one of the things I loved about the book is that it's about the culture of heterosexuality, which I have never been, if we're talking about the like, oh, um, so my I'm married and the spouse and I, we dropped the kids at school and then we're doing a um, redo on the house. Like all this domesticity would always just bore me. And I would be like, I'm not interested in this. And that is like, you know, um, you could go gay people do that too. No, I know, but it's, you got to read the book. It's a, it's a, it's a written by a gay woman who is uh, throwing back the argument that being like when people go, I wouldn't mind if my kid was gay. It's just such a hard life. She's like, it's actually an easy life. What's a hard life is, when you're a straight woman and you're dealing with the patriarchy and then you have to date men who maybe not understand it and you spend your life like kind of not getting your emotional needs yet because half the time they're denying your experience as a woman and it's not really someone you can confide in about the biggest part of your life, you know, um, which is what it's like to be a woman in the world. And so, uh, and, and again, some people are like, I don't need that in a relationship and that's great. But um, for me, I'm kind of someone who does. And so I don't do very well with guys who are dumb, you know. And so but it was a brilliant part of the book, which was about male heterosexuality has a lot to do with impressing other men and just pure sex with women, but not about their actual love of women. That if men truly want to wear their heterosexuality with pride they need to become feminists because if you love women, then you love women. Oh, it, it was fantastic. It was like a, a great blueprint of like what, if you're a woman, like what you should challenge someone to, like what you, what, what is okay to expect from someone. And it's hard to find people like that out there, but what, um, you know, maybe someone can rise up to that kind of challenge. Anyway, it's, it's just a fascinating read. Um, and then this book spinster by this woman who, uh, she is an author, you know, moved from Boston to New York City. She had these five women writers that are no longer with us, but were known as spinsters. They were either divorced or they refused to get married, uh, didn't have kids, and they were famous writers in New York in the 
turn of the century or the 1800s turn of the century into the 1900s and and how they just were happy living their own life and how um, it had nothing to do with like wanting to be alone or wanting to be single, but marriage for them would have entered them into an institution where it would have been impossible for them to do their job. And so it was very fascinating. And it's again, not like anti-relationship. This woman is in a relationship in the book, ends up in a beautiful one at the end. But it's about that fear that women have and where that comes from that like if that like if we don't partner up, we're going to somehow end up on the streets, like pushing a shopping cart and talking to ourselves. And I know that everyone has that fear, like all genders, because, you know, especially with the tough job market. But it just adds for women who think that a little cultural context that might um, snap you out of wanting to feel that way because it feels sort of like an outdated notion. Like I'm not going to actually let that be my biggest fear because that's based on an outdated standard of um what I can expect from life if I happen to be unpartnered. Anyway, those books are great. So if you're Zooming with me, I'm going to talk to you about these books. And luckily, I have friends that have read them. So, okay. So if you're like, where is this going? I don't know. But I'm telling you, no, I do know where it's going. But if you forgot where I was had started, it's the Washington Post article. This In this woman's opinion, we've run out of things to talk about during COVID. And listen, She's probably like, I don't know. I just got to come up with an opinion column. Can you give me a fucking break, you podcaster? I mean, look at you. You're not coming up with any original idea. You're reading my article on your podcast. Okay. Anyway, but she says, the activities of our daily lives are no longer conversation starters. To that, I say, thank God. Who cares what you did today? Tell me who you were today. Tell me how you felt today. Tell me what it was like to be you today. Were you a human doing or a human being? <laughs> um, so I asked three experts how we can keep conversations flowing and meaningful. Here are their suggestions, some of which can apply both to chats with people you don't know well and conversations with family and friends for whom you have no exciting updates. You know what's interesting is I do feel like I had exciting updates with my family. Like I'd talk about I mean, there's always the state of the world. I know some people can't talk politics with their family, but um, I'll give you an example. I had some conversations with my mother, like around race when there was, um, you know, uh, the George Floyd, not trial, but the, the original murder last year during, uh, or was it last year? There was, a, sorry, my brain is broken. The uh, Black Lives Matter protest last year. And, and I would just ask my mom, like her thoughts on race stuff, you know, and she would tell me stories about um things she'd realize like oh my god there was one black kid in my high school and he was so nice he was like the nicest person in school and now I realize well he had to be nice because he was probably afraid of us and he had to you know like I think what she ended up trying to say was like the way it feels to be sometimes when you're a woman doing something like you represent all women so you better you know act right so um you know so it's stuff like that it's like there's always a jumping off point I mean if you really, you don't know what to talk to your families about? Ask them questions about their past. I don't know. I just get annoyed at shit like this where I'm like, is this how remedial people are at conversation that they're going to read a Washington Post article? Go, oh, good. Okay. I've had, I don't know why I am being so judgmental. I know why, because I'm judgmental. But today, woo, it's really being served up on a platter. So Jillian Sandstrom, a psychology professor, says, I've had the same experiences with acquaintances. When her tennis club had a group Zoom session, the momentum quickly stalled. 
But she said we shouldn't give up. Well, it's funny. It's like if you're normally playing tennis, I mean, are you having conversations? Are you just like, <gasps> surf? How's your, um, how's your thyroid? Oh, uh, it turned out it's actually anxiety. I thought it was a thyroid issue, but my numbers are good. Oh, no. What's the anxiety about? I don't think I'm in love with my husband anymore. Oh, I just got all net on that one. You know, maybe you're not having those deep conversations, so it might be hard to transition to a Zoom. So conversations put us in a good mood, she said. They make us feel valued, respected, and understood. Um, Plus, we don't know how we're doing unless we compare ourselves to how others are doing. I don't know if that's sarcastic or if she's saying that's like a good thing or we all do that and we shouldn't, but it's just a fact of life. I mean, I know that sometimes when I think things are really dark and I'm not doing well, I'll talk to a friend who's like, yeah, but remember this piece of advice? And I go, oh, right. I I have to file this feeling I'm having under not emergency. I'm crazy. I need to live in a hospital, but I need to file this under, oh, yeah, I've been here before. And when I get anxious like that, I believe my thoughts. Right, 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 right. Oh, this was just a call a friend moment. This wasn't a check into a hospital moment. Got it. Right, 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 right. You know, um, but I don't. If someone tells me they're doing well or they're doing bad, it doesn't, I don't compare myself. I don't know. During the pandemic, she said, hearing that someone else is in the same boat may help us feel better. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. I thought she meant like we literally don't have any opinions on ourselves until we find out what our friends are doing. Although Sandstrom uh, gets the sense that close friends and family have stayed in touch, it's clear we're not crossing paths with acquaintances and strangers like we used to. I keep reading articles about this and I am like, where, I guess it's about to tell me, but I'm like, where is the science on this? Because I do not miss this shit at all. But it, she said, um, not bumping into acquaintances and strangers can affect our mood. In a couple of studies in which participants chatted with fellow university students or with a barista, they found that interactions with weak ties bump up their happiness. So we shouldn't retreat behind masks and distancing. It can make a huge difference to just feel seen and connected. Okay. But what if you're an introvert? I'm unequivocally an introvert, Sandstrom said, yet she approaches folks as often as the opportunity comes up. With a casual chat, you can always walk away. Here are her top conversation sparking tips. Find common ground. It's no wonder acquaintances often mention the weather. It's perhaps the one thing that affects everyone. So if you're outside, you could comment on spring flowers or point out a playing dog. What? If someone did that to me, I'd be like, oh, I'm actually more depressed. Yeah, there's a dog playing. I'm not that into dogs. So cool. Hope it doesn't bite me. I've been bitten by three dogs. Um, yeah, I see the flowers. Spring's here. Um, it's my least favorite season. I like um, I like winter, actually. But yeah, no, thanks. I mean, what? I would just be like, this is the most boring person I've ever seen. She says, draw attention to something that's in your shared space. The worst thing is the weather. Everywhere I go lately, people go, finally, some good weather. I'm like, we're in Southern California, dumb bitches. It's always nice here. I mean, maybe two months a year, it's not that nice. And not even consecutively. So if we have a week of rain, people are like starting to get nice out. I'm like, well, what are you doing about it? You work inside this UPS. What are you going to start doing an outdoor gymnastics routine? I mean, who cares if it's nice out? You don't know. 
I'm out here and I'm getting sweaty. I really, I can't take this article. I hate it more than I hate uh, systemic racism. Okay, be observant and curious. Study your speaking partner, then pose a question about what you've noticed. For example, I see your earrings are shaped like airplanes. What's the story behind these? (laughs) Okay, that one I'm interested in. And the story better be, I was supposed to get on one of the 9-11 planes, and um, I didn't because I had to pee. And I went into the women's bathrooms, which are always a mess. And there was, you know, flung tampons everywhere. And someone didn't flush after a terrible bout of diarrhea. And then there was a child in there screaming. And the mother was changing her diaper in the stall when she should have been changing it at the diaper table that you pull out and fold down. But some woman had her purse on that. And she was doing her makeup in the mirror. So I said, I have to pee real bad. I can't hold it. And so I waited and I missed the plane by two seconds. And I was like, come on, let me on. So anyway, I just always think that, um, you know, the airport saved my life that day. And I didn't want to get airport earrings because I thought those would be ugly. So I got airplane earrings. Look forward. We can look forward to things that draw some enjoyment. Oh, God, this is the worst thing you can do. I remember when I was going through a terrible breakup, I was so sad. And even though I didn't like my day job at the time, like I first moved to LA and I was an an assistant to this guy in his house and uh, his girlfriend had a kid. And then I started, ended up being like the de facto babysitter. Then I became like the housekeeper. My pay wasn't going up and I was doing all this shit, including his accounting. And, you know, I mean, it was like everything. And I didn't care because it was like weekends were when I had too much free time on my hands. Howard Stern wasn't on. There there was like, you know, you had to make your own fun, call your friends. And I would just always feel the lack of the relationship on the weekends. And I would always be so bummed. And it always bummed me out when the small talk was, what are you doing this weekend? Have a good weekend. And I'd be like, "Ah, ah." I liked the weekdays because I could wake up, be late, be busy, have my mind occupied. Um, and like looking forward to things, you're going to go up to a stranger and go, I'm looking forward to a vacation. And they're like, oh, I lost my job this year, but I'm glad for you. Like, this is America's worst article and I'm loving hating it. I'm loving hating it. Okay. Look forward. We can look forward to things that draw some enjoyment, said Sandstrom, mentioning a study that found that people can receive a significant boost in happiness thinking about upcoming vacations. Yeah. Not during a pandemic. And if you've known the person you're speaking with for a while, thinking back on old times is good too. Okay, that I'll give you is a great suggestion. Reminisce. Or if it's someone you've known a long time and it's okay to ask them personal questions, again, as I said, interview your parents. Find out their life story. You know, take time to maybe you want to write it down or record them or something. Uh, Fun things you can do during a pandemic, but just going up to someone you don't know. I'm looking forward to a vacation. We have a small yacht um, outside of our house in the Cayman Islands. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing fancy. Um, What are you looking forward to after the pandemic? Oh, I don't know. I guess we're finally going to be able to have that funeral for my uncle who died um, of COVID alone. And then, um, yeah, hopefully um, I can find some kind of job. But... um, I just don't, you know, I don't have time to look for a job because I'm taking care of the kids because we lost our ability to send them to daycare. So yeah, but no, have fun on the yacht. I'm sure it's modest. I'm sure it's modest. Everyone, when they think of a yacht, they think there's a lot of modest yachts out there. Have fun on your vacation. Great talking to you at the dog park. Do something different. We can also make 
what we can of the present. Between chats, read a new book or cook a different recipe. Yet, no fuck. This article isn't from day one of the pandemic. It's from a week ago. You think after a year, people haven't tried a new recipe or read something? Have you been on Instagram? All it is is people reading and baking bread and then we'll have things to talk about. Okay, I can't with this. How is this person has, that's a therapist. Okay, this radio journalist says we have to have social interactions with other humans for our emotional and neurological health. In the best case scenario, our exchanges would be in person. Now they're often over Zoom. Headley, though, encourages picking up the phone. Instead, a phone call doesn't exhaust us in the same way that Zoom does. There's no constant eye contact, no nonstop self-evaluation, and and no reason to sit still for so long. This is true. I like to pop in those earbuds, put my phone down, you know, clean the house while I talk to friends. Headley also cited a study that found listeners can better understand their conversation partner's emotions when only hearing their voices rather than also seeing them visually. By using the phone, Headley said we quickly have a very accurate picture of someone's emotional state. Plus, a recent study found that phone calls during the pandemic were associated with decreases in stress, loneliness, and difficulties maintaining relationships. It's super easy on Zoom for people to tune out, put your cell phone out of sight, and close your tabs. Don't minimize them. You're not fooling anybody. You're br- I've never Zoomed with friends and been like reading something on the, I don't know. Pass the ball often. Conversation is like a game of catch. You're trading back and forth between who catches and throws. Don't hold the ball by babbling too long. Keep it brief. What? It, is this about people who've never had a conversation before? You have 46 years old. I, knew it. I mean, and this podcast is one-sided. I, I can't finish this article. It's making me too angry. Okay, this is a good suggestion. What can I learn? Worry less about what you're going to say and, and think about more what you want to learn from the other person. Think back to your last conversation with this person. What were they working on? What was concerning them? That, of course. I, but people aren't doing this? I don't understand. Okay. This person, this next person I'm reading, I'm like, I'm not even going to annoy you by telling her. Okay, this is actually fun. My friend, uh, I have a friend and we do this. We have, we keep a list of things we want to talk about for our next phone call. And uh, it is usually always about something we're reading or are you into this designer or here's this thing on Instagram and like, what's your, you know, if you could decorate any way and, you know, so anyway, uh, prepare some topics. Try keeping a list of good topics on hand. I do like this one. These can be out of the ordinary and thought provoking. Here's one she suggested. If you could live 10 independent lives and how many of them would you have children? I think that's a great question. Um, For me, I'll give you my answer, two of them. I don't know why. This is the answer that came to me. In two of my 10 lives, I would have children. Um, ask others how they're doing. Really listen to their answers. I mean, I can't. How This takes up space on the internet. These are for grownups. How to talk. I mean, I... I Okay. I mean, look, people got to fill time, just like I did with that ridiculous article. 
Okay, so I'll tell you a story from my real life. So California is kicking ass in COVID recovery. Uh, I think 25% of the state is vaccinated. It's open to everybody now to get the vaccine. The caseload is so low. It's it's lower than it was, you know, before COVID really hit. Um, we're doing great. It was such a nightmare. I was so hard on Gavin Newsom over Twitter. I'm sure he's recovered. And yeah, he went and had a, was part of some private fancy French laundry restaurant thing. That was a giant bummer. And I don't forgive it or condone it, but I don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, let's recall him. But I think the thing that there's no good, he, they, he and everyone shouldn't have done it. Because it's just irresponsible. And if all of them had gotten sick and like, you're just, it's really, really bad what they did. However, I will say, okay, well, if I have to say something good about it is that they did try to keep it private and they weren't flaunting it, which is really bad for, um, you know, you, you flaunt that stuff in public and then the public goes and does it and then you are like encouraging super spreader events. Now, of course, now we get back to, well, he was just being a hypocrite. Correct. Um, so there you go. Could someone do a better job? Probably, but I'm just amazed. I'm glad we came out of this the way we did. And so things are opening up. So I'm vaxxed, not waxed, but just vaxxed. I don't even know why I'm making that joke. That's like everyone's joke. I'm just being dumb. Okay, so I've been going back to Pilates classes because I have I have gained a lot. Now, I don't want to... This weight gain thing is such a bummer. Like I, I have wanted to talk about weight gain and my issues with as well as body dysmorphia, true weight gain, which does affect certain things with my health, which end up affecting my voice. I've always admired how men on their podcast talk about their weight and it's no big deal. Like, and they don't get yelled at by the internet. Like I got creamed by these female comedians who said, I'm a white supremacist. I'm promoting fat phobia. And there's a whole movement that's like you can never talk about losing weight even if it's not a diet it, all of it is fat phobia and it's like I don't have a phobia of being fat Any, but anything is like nope you're wrong and I was like I did gain 60 pounds once I was clinically obese they said nope obesity numbers have been changed so that like it's way too easy to be called obese and that's the problem and people are being judged I'm like okay I believe you I get that but and they're like tweeting about me all the time and going, her podcast is fat phobic and her comedy is. And it's like, you know, I have to be able to have a conversation about my body. I don't feel right. None of my clothes fit. One of them wrote to me, buy new clothes, you're rich. No, I'm not. And also some of these clothes I've had for 10 years and there are things maybe I bought in London that was like an original thing someone made. It's okay to have had the same weight for the last 10 years. And as I'm going through, you know, perimenopause and as I'm in a pandemic where the reason I'm gaining weight is because I am I am not having a healthy relationship with food. It's not, I'm not Stanley Tucci in Italy going, oh my God, this ricotta, it's so amazing and and have some wine. I was, I was stress eating. I was loneliness eating. I was having more wine than I should. It was unhealthy. It was affecting my acid reflux. It was affecting my mood. It was affecting my ability to wear clothing. I went through two different rounds of buying sweatpants in bigger, bigger sizes. And, you know, I don't need to be spending money like that. It, it just didn't make me happy. And it uh, 
when I'm back out there and on whether it's on the road or on TV, like it just doesn't make me feel comfortable. It's not, I have a small frame and it's just not what I feel like. I'm not saying other people don't look great that are curvaceous or uh, there's a lot of people who do just say I'm fat and they think, and they say that's not an insult. That's a great word. And I go, okay, great. So, but that's just not me. But there's a whole movement that's like, don't talk about it because you are triggering people. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to trigger people. I'm, I'm going to talk about me. And if you leave, as Judy Gold, brilliant comedian who has a book out about the concept of like, uh, not free speech, like the government's taking away, but like society policing each other's speech is like, I'm, I'm offended a lot when I walk out of the house, when I hear men talk about their experience and I go, oh God, that's really offends me as a woman I, or something. I just, I kind of just move on or I choose like, then that's not my person if it's something they keep harping on. But if once in a while... I mentioned like I have a relationship with my body. I live inside of my body. Um, to be reduced to this one thing and to have these women, they did a Facebook show about me and no, nothing I said, I was being very kind. I was like, nothing I said. They were just like, no, you're bad, you're wrong, blah, blah. And I'm like, but I understand everything you're saying. I understand that like thinness is a body type of a white supremacy. Like, I know all the stuff. I'm a grown-up who went to college, who read all those feminist texts. Like, I get it. But I'm just saying that I'm also a person who's had, like, issues with body dysmorphia. And I, I have my own things. And I'm, But I've also just gained 23 pounds. And to gain that, in, it wasn't even over the course of the year. It was the last six months. As a way to handle some really stressful situations it didn't make me feel very good to choose to deal with things that way because when you choose to deal with things with food, right, or with a drug, in, in some people's cases, not mine, um, you never fill that void. And it just keeps escalating. You know, uh, so I'm taking steps to not do that and I'm getting healthier. But uh, I guess the reason I brought this up is because I wanted to talk about going to a Pilates class. I really missed going. It's I, I'm not an exercise person. I don't uh, do HIT or HILT or CrossFit or the thing with the bike, Peloton. I, I'm not a big cardio person. I'm a big believer, and I've seen the results in my life if we're going to talk about wanting to be lean, muscle, and thin. Um, for me, it's always just been walking and Pilates. I don't do... Um, I don't do cortisol-inducing exercise routines because for me, it just makes me eat more and they're not really totally necessary. But some people need them for stress and other things. That's just not my beef. So I've just been doing the same thing forever and it it works pretty well for me and I've always loved the way I looked. But I didn't get to do it this year. And uh, I do very specific Pilates that's on the, these machines and I would go five times a week and I used to dance, but I don't anymore. And it's very much like dancing and ballet and blah. And it's a really hard workout and it completely changes your body and, and uh, lengthens your muscles. And even if you haven't lost a pound, people be like, oh, you look like you lost weight. I'm not saying that that's the important part. I'm just saying it's, it's a, if you don't know about Pilates, Joseph Pilates invented, it was actually a kind of rehab for vets coming back from war. And it used to be called controlology. There's a lot, there's a lot to learn about it. People think of it as this like, kind of like feminine weak workout. It actually was developed for men. And it's actually a lot harder for men because their bodies uh, have different centers of gravity. But uh, 
So my point is, I now that I'm vaxxed, I'm back out there going to classes. Uh, life has not... I've, I've learned nothing from the pandemic because I'm still booking classes way too in advance and then canceling them on ClassPass and paying a late fee, which is stupid. So I'm going to stop doing that. But going to classes, wearing your mask, and every class is like, okay, we sanitize. I'm like, but enough with the sanitizing. The CDC has said it's not a surface thing. They said it so long ago. I mean, of course, sanitize the surfaces just for all other things, you know, but um, that you're not helping me understand that you understand how to keep COVID safe, you know, and they take your temperature and it's like, that's again, nothing to do with whether you have COVID or whether you can spread it. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I let them do their little rituals. I'm fully vaxxed. Can I say that one more time? So the other day I go into this studio and they have a back door and a front door. Back door leads to the parking lot. The front door leads to the sidewalk. Uh, Parking lot's a pain in the ass to get to. There's two parking spots. There's tons of street meters out front. There is nothing on the street that is open in the morning. You know, it's like weird stores, like a... um, frame store and uh some kind of restaurant that's only open at night and you know and I just find myself a meter and park right there eight in the morning 9 a.m class and the front door is open and the back door is open and so you go in the front door and I thought this is amazing they have cross ventilation which is what you're supposed to have during COVID and they had fans going on the ceiling and then the class starts and she shuts the front door and turns off the fans. And then just the back door is open. She's like, if anyone wants the fans on, let me know. I'm like, why are you putting this on us? Just keep the fucking fans on. And I was like, why is the front door shut? She's like, oh, for COVID. I'm like, oh, because isn't it like cross ventilation is um, it's like a known thing. Like it's scientific, you know. You should listen to the episode of my podcast where I talk about Florence Nightingale inventing ventilation. And she said, well, no, the state of California, and listen, it's not her fault. The state of California says, I mean, this is how stupid this state has handled it. And yet I'm proud that we're getting out of it. If you're in an establishment like a Pilates studio and you have the front door open. Now, the sidewalk, imagine the sidewalk outside the front door. Then imagine me on one of the Pilates machines inside. I'm at least 25 feet away from anyone that would be on the sidewalk. And we have to wear masks outside even when we're alone. Everybody has a mask on, but nobody's walking by because there's nothing to walk to. It's a, it's a not a residential street. It's small businesses that are not either open at all right now due to COVID or that aren't open in the morning. There is nobody on the sidewalk. But you have to keep the door closed because if it's open and people walk by outside, you're putting the students inside at risk for COVID. You're literally not because we're wearing masks and the air diffuses it. And especially if someone walking by is in a mask who is 25 feet away. What COVID is, is airborne. And if you shut the door and somebody in the room has COVID and they pull their mask down for, I don't know, a few minutes and nobody sees them doing it and they're huffing and puffing and then I pull my mask down, I could get it. Nobody knows this. And it makes no, I mean, I, the teachers could at least say, I know this is stupid. It makes no sense. They're like, yeah, because you know, people walking by and I go, no, I don't know. But yeah, I know you have to do your thing. So then I leave class and I open the front door. They're like, you can't go out the front door because people might be there. I'm like, I don't care if people are there. 
I have a mask on. They have a mask on. We're outside. They go, yeah, but then you have to go out the back door. So I have to go out the back door, walk all the way around the block. It's just so stupid. These COVID rules have been arbitrary since the beginning. And you know, this is fucking Trump's fault. There was never any like messaging that made any goddamn sense. The the, the World Health Organization, oh my God, the Boston accent comes out when she's angry. The World Health Organization, they really fucked up. You, I think I know more than them, honestly. I swear to God. Um, I know that's not the world's greatest story, but I will tell you this. My ability to not be annoyed at teacher jokes is good. So I've become way more zen during the pandemic. So when they're doing their little jokes where they're like, now make sure your hands are fully flexed. Don't curl them up into fists, even though I know you want to punch me because this move is so hard. Or just the little everydayisms, like 10 more of these and then we're done. Then you can go home and have wine. It's like, no, who's having wine after Pilates? I mean, I have, but you know what I mean? It's just like, I, I hate the like, I don't know. What is that called when you just do something and you assume? I mean, I guess it's what I do in stand up. I'm like, you know, we all do this. And you're half of you are like, no, we don't. Oh, my God. I just realized my job is fucking annoying. But at least you're paying for it and knowing I might say some things that you don't relate to. I'd rather just hear leg up, leg down, sit up, do this, do that, rather than like a comedy routine that's like, I know, 10 more sit ups to cake. Like, stop. Stop with the common womanisms. Makes me absolutely nutter butter. Oh my God, could this podcast be worse? I highly recommend checking out other episodes where I'm actually interesting, but (laughs) oh my God, cut to me having COVID, although I'm vaccinated because uh, I don't know what, I didn't take disinfecting seriously or because I walked out the door. Okay, let's get through some listener emails. I don't mean get through, like it's like, oh God, what a chore. But before I do, hey guys, I'm going to save your asses some money right now. If you live in Seattle or you live in Memphis and you care about uh, the food insecure people in your community, you will shop in my Tea Public store because there are sale dates, 35% off of all items and t-shirts at And I'm going to give you the date. Oh, so the reason I mentioned uh, Seattle and Memphis is those are the food banks I'm donating to in April. In March, I donated to Oklahoma and Mississippi. Each food bank got $488 each. One of them wrote back to me and said, $488 is 2,593 meals. Like, that's amazing. So thank you all for shopping. Um, You shop in my merchandise store. Their link is in the bio or go to jenkirkman.com, click shop. I work with a great company called Tee Public. I I actually own a ton of like sweatshirts and t-shirts and tanks from my own merchandise line and mugs and notebooks. I really use all my stuff. It's really good quality stuff. And all the shirts and stuff like that, they come in a million different sizes for different genders and colors and shapes and uh, different colors, sweatshirts and you know all that, like a million colors to choose from, a million different like styles and shapes. And uh, I think you can return them if it doesn't fit you. I would say size-wise, like size pretty exact. Don't size down for sure. Don't size down. If anything, exact size or size up one. Um, So the reason I mentioned Memphis and Seattle, those are the food banks that I'm donating to in April. And here are the sale dates. April 14th, 15th, and 16th. April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. 
and April 28th and 29th. You can mark those down if you can only afford to shop during the sale dates. You're going to get 35% off, sometimes 30% off, and t-shirts will be 13 or 14 bucks. So that is an amazing savings. And I work with Tee Public, and they cut me a portion of uh, my income every month, and I donate that 100% to food banks. I do not keep a dime. So please, please join me in keeping this going all of 2021. And again, food banks in Seattle and Memphis. Okay, good. So there you go. Let's read some listener emails. Jen. Jen. Sorry. (laughs) Jen. I started to read this guy's email last week, but I I, ha- I actually am more organized than you guys think. I had emails marked for which episodes, and I just started reading because I forgot what day it was, and then I stopped. Uh, so I apologize to this guy who uh, probably heard me reading his email and then was like, why did she stop? Jen. In possibly the strangest email header I've ever addressed to anyone, I'm sending you a fond hello. I don't know what the header was because I cut and pasted. I'm a longtime fan and recent discoverer of your No Fun podcast. I finally got up the courage to email you. I wanted to let you know how much your podcast has been a staple in my life over the last several months of the pandemic. I am a traveling home health occupational therapist living in San Francisco and have recently been working on a difficult job contract. I'm working crazy hours and driving all over creation, which gives me a lot of time to listen to your podcast. I've been treating post-COVID patients who have been sent home from the hospital after surviving the terrible disease. As I'm sure you can imagine, these individuals are exceptionally fatigued, weak, and debilitated, both physically and emotionally. Many days involve a lot of pep talks, words of encouragement, and a hell of a lot of listening while rehabilitating and empowering these individuals to get back to their daily living skills, routines, and roles. I put on a happy face and try to give candid and honest advice, but sometimes there just is no answer for the problems these people face. I often joke that I want to write a book of my experiences titled Confessions from the Tub Bench, in which I share some really vulnerable moments with people who are in a really hard spot, so tough that they can't even bathe themselves. But due to HIPAA and the fact that this title may already exist as a weird after-hours handicapped accessible HBO porno, I'll keep it to myself. After listening to your podcast, I was able to glean a little pearl of wisdom I've been sharing with my patients who are struggling to adjust to this new post-COVID disease life. Many of my patients become insanely frustrated because they cannot do the things they used to. I thought, what a great time to share the wash the dishes twice metaphor that Jen talked about that one of her readers mentioned. Well, I will stop you right there. It wasn't anything my reader said. There was something going viral around Twitter where this woman was talking about because she had such insane depression, her dishes were piling up for months and her dishwasher sucked and she knew that she would have to scrape the food off of the dishes in order to put them in the dishwasher because her dishwasher had no ability to clean that deep and she didn't have the energy to scrape the dishes. So there you see the cycle continued. And she kept this from her therapist because she thought these aren't important things that we need to talk about in therapy. And she finally did tell her therapist. 
And it opened up this giant conversation where he said, so run the dishwasher twice. And it was this uh, literal advice and metaphor. And I read it on the podcast, but it did not come from one of my listeners. It came from a woman with some severe, severe uh, depression. Okay. Anyway, by and large, what an effective motivator. People really seem to get the message. They don't have to do the things the way they always used to until they're finally able to again. But while working with an elderly female patient, however, this advice didn't go over well. (laughs) When she was expressing her frustrations and concerns over how her life just isn't the same, I shared the old wash the dishes twice metaphor. She paused, took in the information, and in a thick New York accent said, that's the stupidest goddamn thing I've ever heard. I don't have that kind of money. I'm not a goddamn Rockefeller. We both descended into hysterics. I am telling you, laughter to the point that we were both tearing up and we nearly pissed ourselves. I'm declining to comment as to why I have the bladder control of an elderly woman. Anyway, the point of this email is to highlight that your comedy, honesty, candor, and depth are helpful to me and my patients. I reject all of the rhetoric of thank our healthcare heroes BS, where we get pizza parties and 10% off at Macy's, not because healthcare workers shouldn't be thanked, but because what really matters and what really helps is laughter. And dare I say, just plain mental breaks from all the despair and depression that we are soaked in daily. I couldn't give two shits about banners or discounts or any of that jargon. Just be honest and fun. The rest works itself out. As an ardent gay fan of Jen Kirkman, not a Gen X, but a millennial, I think, I say thank you. And before this email gets all John Hinckley Jr.-ish, you're not my Jodie Foster, no offense, I'll end on that. Keep doing what you're doing and spreading no fun everywhere you go. I'm going to subscribe to the Patreon for more fun and distractions. Much love from San Francisco, Logan. Thank you, Logan. I am realizing I have, I had this thing where I was like, I have no gay male fans and I sent a picture of a tweet that annoyed me to my friend Justin, who's gay. And I'm like, what's with the straights? And he's like, dude, this guy's totally gay. And I was like, really? And then he's like, yeah, he used the word goddess. And I was like, oh, straight men use goddess all the time, you know, which is true. Like, you know, we've all appropriated, you know, I've appropriated black culture. Straight guys can say things that, you know, gay guys used to just say. But I'm like, I guess I don't know. I think there might be a lot of gay men in my fan base. I think I think everyone's straight. <laughs> Let me know if you're gay and on the Patreon. Um, and the reason it's important to me is because I know you're never objectifying me and it makes me feel so comfortable and free. And I'm not saying that all the straight men on here are because I feel like I've gotten to know you guys pretty well too. But in general, I just always, you know, it's just, it's always been a thing between us, straight women and gay men. Um, and, and by the way, uh, just, gay men are always assuring me that they're not stalkers. And it's like, you guys aren't the ones that need to assure me <laughs> I know you're not. I know you're not. Was John Hinckley, um, is he gay though? Okay. Let's see what else emails I can say. Oh, I think this was about music. Music makes a people. Oh, somebody last week wanted advice on how to make friends. 
um, who lived in a red state. And so one of my listeners wrote in, Jen, I moved to L.A. I moved from L.A. to Texas, not Austin. So I would tell this woman, find the local Democrats and volunteer. There is always something going on and they can help you network. Find a Unitarian church, even if you aren't religious. They are going to be your most liberal church in Churchville. Like Jen said, find your interest. Bookstore, gym. I don't know. What do people do for fun? The hard part is to play it cool. Anyone who is overeager to be your BFF right off the bat is likely a little nuts. So go slowly as you would with any new person you're bringing into your life. Also, some light red people. Pink can be acceptable if you give them a chance. Biddy. I have no idea what the fuck that means. Some light red people can be accepted. Oh, you mean like politically? I thought you meant, I was like, is that a term for like, I I could not figure it out. I was like, is that, I know that's not a racial thing. Is this a, like, I looked at it as like an anger, (laughs) like her lights on red. She's all hot takes. Yeah. Okay. Jen, thanks for using my listener email on the email episode of your podcast last week. I tensed up a little when I heard some music questions answered from another listener because I know that I pretty much asked the same thing. That's okay. People always ask about music because I really do come off like someone who's like always with the music. And, um, you know, I come in, you know, it's a totally normal thing to ask and that you wanted to know. I'm going to subscribe to your Patreon as soon as the budget allows so that I can keep up better. Oh, listen, I love you and thank you for saying that. And guys... Anyone who is on a budget, I'm not worried about you guys joining the Patreon or not. As long as you are subscribing to the podcast, I can't tell you how much that helps. The more subscribers I get, again, the more money I get paid for ads. And then it's like fucking sweetness, sweetness, sweetness. I'm just looking for 10,000 more subscribers to the podcast. Um, And as for Patreon, yeah, absolutely. I want everyone to join. But I'm looking to the people that aren't on a tight budget and that just don't feel like it. Get out that fucking wallet. But I do appreciate when people say that they're going to include me in their budget at their nearest convenience. That that really means a lot. And and again, no pressure. I always feel like the people that I'm not pressuring are the ones that take on the pressure. I'm talking to the rich bitches out there. Okay, um, not that you're not a rich bitch. It was so freaking cool to hear those clips from that Nirvana show. I get pumped every time I find old shows like that online, particularly if I was in the crowd for it. I remember when I first heard Nirvana in high school, class of 94, represent, I was class of 92. Um, And that opening for Smells Like Teen Spirit was such a revelation. It was like classic rock was being updated for a new generation right as I was listening. Well, Kurt always said he stole that riff from Boston's More Than a Feeling, and you can hear it. And he also says it's also... um, a wave of mutilation by the Pixies. So if you hear those two songs, that you can hear the smells like teen spirit in it. Hearing Kurt Cobain speak so openly and loudly about in, ish, in, ugh, issues like gender equality was such a refreshing counterpoint to all of the misogyny that hair metal was so damn loud about in the 80s. Uh, yeah, that's why they had a big beef with, you know, Guns N' Roses. You know, you were either like a Guns N' Roses person or a Nirvana person. And I'm going to be totally honest. I judge the Guns people. I'm just saying I do. Um, I've been teased all of my life for being too sensitive. So it was huge to hear more and more musicians saying the same kind of things that I was thinking. I can relate to what you were saying about digital music and how tastes change. Throwing in a CD or my personal favorite, a cassette, added a wonderful tactile element to listening to music. Sure, it's nice to just walk over, click a mouse a few times and start a playlist that will go on for hours, but there's just something missing. Digital media has no liner notes and looking up the info online isn't the same. As for my tastes, I've noticed a definite shift. Maybe it's the tinnitus that finally started kicking in a few years back, but 
I don't revisit my beloved loud music as much. It's all still in rotation. But these days I go for jazz, dance, pop, and podcasts. The podcast thing is particularly hilarious because I grew up thinking that talk radio was so boring. I love seeing how things change over the years. I appreciate what you put out into the universe. Your stand-up is hilarious. all, oh, And I really dug your first book, I Can Barely Take Care of Myself. I don't have kids either. And it's always great to hear that normalized. As soon as the aforementioned budget allows for it, I intend to pick up your second book too. Thanks. Well, oh, you're so sweet. Guys, if you want to get my books, um, the cheapest way is get them on Kindle. If you have one of those, uh, don't buy them used because it doesn't go towards my book sales. And we need that to go towards my book sales. Not about me getting the money, but about me getting... Uh, another book deal someday. So great. And again, don't worry about putting me in the budget. You take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves first. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Take care of yourselves. Sorry, I'm just vamping while I find two of the newer listener emails that came in. Uh, Jet, your story of seeing Nirvana in Fitchburg made me look up the date. I think this person may have been a little drunk because there's some spelling errors, but it's very charming. Look up the date of the Buffalo show. It was one week before. I was 16 and tried to wh tickets to the show by banging out the phone number to the modern rock radio station. The frequency was 103.3 and they wanted the 103rd caller to win two tickets. I got through many times and the DJ answered, hello, the Fox, your caller number 101, hurry and dial again. I didn't get through and didn't go to the sold out show of 7,500 people at the university gymnasium. Would to like to tell us listeners about radio station contests you attempted to win or did win? Maybe you cut out an entry blank from a newspaper and mailed it in to win something. Brian, Brian, oh, I I have good luck with this. So my sisters and I used to win stuff all the time. Like we were reminiscing the other day about how she took me to see The Cure for the first time at, at Great Woods in Massachusetts in 1988. Now, I don't remember which contests were which thing or were what, what, but one year she won a radio contest where you got to go to a barbecue with The Cure pre-show. And I've told this story before, uh, because it's it's a story about how now I, as a performer, relate to the way Robert Smith came in at the end and we just had to line up while he signed something. Like he wasn't interested in hanging out and talking to us. As why would he be? He's about to go on and play a show. He wants to hear me and my, I, I really, you mean a lot. But anyway, so we won that. Um, I, I remember the dialing. I can't remember what I won or didn't, but I just remember that feel like, I mean, Learning to dial that fast and then hanging up and, and just like not hearing the dial tone right away and be like, hurry up, dial tone, I got to dial again. That was fantastic. I, I did have this thing where um, I learned when I was in college. And again, I wasn't like, you know, sexy, sexy teenager. I was like very androgynous, like big shirts, like very like grunge, um, you know, like shaved head. I would go to the um, trucks that they would have like every rock station would have a truck and they would be broadcasting live outside of a concert. So let's say like this happened with the Ramones. The Ramones were playing on Valentine's Day 1992 in Boston and I didn't have tickets. And so I went out and I went, got there early at like, I don't know, five o'clock or something. And the DJs were there in the, I think it was the W. FNX truck. I think that was the alternative station. And I just said, Hey, do you have one ticket? Like, and he was like, yeah, actually, we were going to do a giveaway here. And he just like gave me a wristband and I got in. And, you know, so just weird things like that. Um, but I can't remember things I've won. But I know my biggest hobby growing up was listening to Oldies 103 with my parents. And uh, 
I loved oldies music and I always, my favorite song was Barbara Ann by the Beach Boys. I, I know I've talked about this. I think I even named a podcast episode after it. I just thought it was so fun, that part in the song where they all bust out laughing. I couldn't believe you could even keep that in a song. It was so organic. And so I used to just call up oldies 103 and say, can you play Barbara Ann? And I just couldn't believe that the someone answered the phone and I was talking to a DJ and then I got to be on the radio and sometimes I didn't, but it wasn't about me being on the radio. It was like, I'm calling, they're playing and they go, this goes out to Jennifer and I'd be like, this is the most exciting thing in the world. Oh yes, with my little dial-up, not dial-up, that's the internet, my little, my little rotary phone. All right, let's find one more email to read. One more to read, then you get on with your life. What are you gonna do today? Do you like the small talk I'm giving you? Do you like the small talk I'm giving you? Jen, you wily minx, recommending Call My Agent, which I have now finished over the past week and loved. Oh, boy, I feel like I talk about this show too much. What terrific characters and actors. I just loved Arlette. Boy, to be 88 years old with that life experience and look around at how stupid everyone is. I really enjoyed the cameos by the French actresses, too, many of which I know from their films. I found that Agent Gregory so fumblingly handsome, too. Damn. Scored my first dose of the Moderna vaccine yesterday after getting a tip and a link from a neighbor on the Nextdoor app. Signing up on the My Turn website for California has only resulted in occasional texts and emails that appointments may be available and a link that leads to none being available. I'm 40, have type 2 diabetes, am obese, score, wait, um, he wrote that, and live in Palm Desert, California. It seems like every county has their own supply of vaccine and way of distributing it. It's all such a wackadoo process. I found out about a Riverside County site at 1 a.m. on Tuesday, found an open appointment, registered in five minutes from my phone, and by 4 p.m. later that day, I had my shot. I was so worried that they might see me and think I didn't qualify for the vaccine. So I brought my medical records and a prescription bottle of metformin with me and was ready to step on a scale. I weigh 272 pounds, but I'm six feet and I'm supposed to be under 200 according to some chart to prove what bad life choices they've ma- I've made, but they didn't seem interested. They have my medical history at a cursory glance, but that's most it. It made me wonder just how bad I must look to everyone as most people seem surprised when I tell them of my weight and diabetes. Or are they? Lord. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. And I am a Patreon subscriber. Much love, Chuck. Oh, thanks, Chuck. Well, I'm glad you got the vaccine. And at this point, it's like everyone just get in there. Just get the shots in your arms, as they say. Um, Let's do some shout outs to Patreon subscribers. Thank you guys for being here. Josh Harrison, you are the coolest person in the world. Thank you. Laura Scott, you know we've had some good times together. Don't even, don't go spilling our secrets. You know what we did that time. I love you. Michelle Hillary Whitaker. Oh my God. I need, I need you to call in sick from work sometime soon. Uh, and just, uh, I gave you permission to just lay in bed all day one day because that's just how cool you are. Teresa Getz. You're fun, you're funny, you're gorgeous, you're a wonderful person. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. Alyssa Blattman, you're cool. You're cool as hell. I mean, what can I say? All those things you do when you go over there and you do that thing and then people are always like, how did she get that done so quickly? I don't know, we're amazed. Kevin Fitzpatrick, I mean, 
You bring joy everywhere you go. That's what people say. They go, is Kevin going? I'll go to that party. You don't realize that, but you are. You are an influencer that way. Pete Savignano. Hope I'm saying your name right. It sounds like a nice Savignon Blanc. Do people make that joke all the time? I bet they do. And you have my permission to roll your eyes at me right now. But you are the best. Robin Parker. I mean, how much joy do you bring the people in your life? How cool and fun are you and just a good person? I mean, I don't even need to tell you. Thank you. Anthony Carpendale. Anthony, what would we couldn't even do this without you? Where would we be without Anthony is what I say. I bet what a million people say. Keep on rocking. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Thank you. Great. So we got through and I hate to say the word got through. Oh, that was so hard for me. I had to read things from people that like me. Do you understand? Do you understand how hard that is? Okay, well, those are from my listeners. You keep writing in. I keep reading them because I love to hear from you all about your crazy lives. I seem fun at gmail.com. If you write to me in DMs of any kind, I will not read them on air and I'll probably not see them. So just keep it easy for old Jen's brain here. I seem fun at gmail.com. Officially the world's most boring episode. I think things will start cooking in the next couple weeks once I'm back out and about. After I come back from visiting my family. After, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what goddamn happens. Give a girl a break. (laughs) You know? Until next week, have fun.